This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. It's a very late night, instant reaction, emergency podcast. We got the whole crew here, a loaded bench. We got Chris Nee, Brendan Sinone, Zach Blostein, and I am Josh Newberg. As always, we are the guys from Knowles 24-7, and we are here to break it all down. Florida State battled number nine Notre Dame to the brink at Dote Campbell Stadium on Sunday night, but came up short 41-38 to as the Fighting Irish hit a field goal in overtime. FSU kicker Ryan Fitzgerald missed the 37-yard attempt wide left at the end of FSU's drive to open overtime. But this is a team that didn't fall on their face and lay down when they were behind by 18 points heading into the fourth quarter. With dozens of four- and five-star recruits watching on, we saw something we haven't seen in probably four years, and that's a team that can battle through adversity against the top 10 opponent. The comeback was the comeback by the Seminoles was fueled in part by the debut of Mackenzie Milton in Garnet and Gold. Jordan Travis started the game, but Mackenzie Milton finished it. Brendan, despite the loss, Mike Norvell's second year is looking a lot different from the first. What do you think this team showed tonight against Notre Dame? Grit, heart, uh, a little bit of playmaking ability. And, you know, Josh, so I wrote about this the other day before the season started. And this is a Bobby Bowdenism, but basically it goes, you know, first for a, for new pro, a coach at a new program, first you lose by a lot, then you lose by a little, then you win by a little, and then you win big. And, you know, I, I think for some that was sobering, but, but that is very much so where FSU is right now. They lost big in year one under Mike Norvell. It was such a weird, uh, unstable, tenuous year. We don't need to go back into the COVID year. It was what it was. But if you want to buy into what Mike Norvell is doing uh, and you can't see signs of it, they were evident today and it was a close loss. And so you're in the, the close loss stage of the rebuilding process. Uh, guys were man, from the sidelines. So a year ago against Georgia Tech, I think back, Josh, when things started going bad, he- heads were hanging. The body language was awful. It felt like there was this bleak... Uh, no sense of of optimism that you could find a way. Mackenzie Milton was a big part of of propelling you to the comeback and almost having a chance to win tonight. He sparked you. But there were other guys like Jermaine Johnson stepping up and making plays and being active. Uh, Keyshawn Helton being gritty and tough like he's known to do, especially now that he's healthy. Uh, there, there were guys who found ways to make plays, and, and that's part of this rebuilding process, identifying guys who are going to continue to compete to find ways to win one-on-one battles. That's what Mike Norvell and stats all about. And that, Josh, was evident today. Guys won battles, not enough, uh, but they were willing to keep fighting, keep scrapping. And, and to me, that's significant. That's a step forward that you absolutely have to have to take. Chris, you've been able to 
make the drive from the stadium on home. Um, what's been going through your head as you as you left the stadium? Uh, we kind of talked about it at the stadium. Me and Sinone did that. It's a game that felt like it very much was played in segments. I mean, obviously FSU's down thirty-eight to twenty with roughly twenty minutes left in it. I think it was about four thirty-seven left in the third quarter when they scored that touchdown. And you're feeling like, man, the whales are falling off. This thing's over. They're not coming back from this. Here we go again. Yeah, a little bit. Same stuff, different day scenario. Then they battled, and they kept trying. There's a lot of decisions in that game that you look at. You know, the fourth and two comes to mind. I didn't love the play call. Sedone's point to me, and I agree with him, is, you know, you're you're sending an overall message. Are we here to win, or are we just here to play the game? They were trying to win, and they didn't convert, and you're always going to second guess when you don't convert. And, Notre Dame had momentum and he easily was going to put up points after that because that's just the way the game was trending at that time. But I think to some degree, the message sent by going for it on that play is why they played the way they did on the final 20 minutes. But, you know, it was an interesting night. I, I didn't think Mackenzie Milton was going to play when we came out in the second half because he did not do a whole lot in pregame warm-up. Uh, he didn't do a whole lot leading up to the game, truthfully, because he wasn't available a whole lot in practices leading up to the game. I think the – the number one reason I felt so confident a few days ago on our pod to say that, you know, I fully expected Jordan Travis to start is because the game plan was formulated around Jordan Travis because he was one that was available and able to practice and around most and able to do those things. So they they built it around him. And JT didn't play great tonight. He struggled as a passer. Uh, Notre Dame really bothered him. They did a very good job bottling him up. He did hit some bang plays. You know, the touchdown pass to Ja'Kai Douglas was really nice. But he has others that he misses, like down the right side, and the Jay Sean Corbin that's picked off by Kyle Hamilton. That's a play he's got to hit. They got the opportunity there, and it's there. He hesitated. He didn't throw with great anticipation. That extra second allowed a guy who is an all-American type safety to go pick the ball and make a great play on it. Those kind of plays hurt. I believe all three of his turnovers turned into Notre Dame touchdowns too. So that's a 21-point conversion on those turnovers. So that's brutal. Milton comes in, sparks him, does a little something. I don't think he looked particularly very healthy to scramble. I didn't think he looked very comfortable on that. It kind of ended awkwardly, but he makes that throw across the middle. That was phenomenal. You know, I think he connected on his first five passes in a row, if I recall correctly. He did a little something for them. He throws the ball away on a pretty crucial play where it was heady, smarter than because of bad snap. So, you know, quarterback play was an interesting dynamic with an interesting subplot of the health and ability and availability and game planning that surrounded the two guys you went with. And then running backs, you know, they got it going. Jay Sean Corbin's 89-yard run was fantastic. Great to see that young man healthy and doing what he can do. Uh, showing a little bit of ability to have a season ago to pull away from people. You know, Ja'Kai Douglas, offensive athlete, but he hits a 60-yard reception play. Really, really nice play there. Best passing play of the game for FSU. Sedone nailed it a couple of days ago when we were talking on the podcast. FSU's offense was going to be about bang plays. They had 13 big plays for 335 yards. And that's essentially, I think they had 61 other plays for about 107 yards total. So that kind of speaks to a little bit of all or nothing with the offense right now. But that's what we expected. Uh, most of all, though, I left the stadium. Uh, confidence not the right word, but. I felt a hell of a lot better about the football team I cover in the university I went to and the program it produces um, and what they're going to be and who and what they are and what they're trying to become and the identity and the culture and all those little key cliche words we love. But like 
talking to Jermaine Johnson after the game, I thought, you know, he's a guy that he gets it. And he's a good, mature voice in that room. He's a guy that understands more victories aren't the biggest thing, but you also, you can learn from this. There's lessons to be learned from everything you do. Mackenzie Milton, I think, specifically said more victories don't matter. So, I, you know, I feel better about things. I I thought Notre Dame would wear them that. down and run away, and they didn't. FSU battled. And it's disappointing with the way it ended for Fitzgerald because he nails a 50-yarder before that review and all that. So, it's just – I'm scatterbrained, Josh. That's what I am. We'll, that's we'll we'll get in. We'll we'll dig deeper get, into some of get, that. But get this man under control, Josh. I'm We're sorry. Take control of your chip right he now. He asked me I, what I thought about in the car. I thought about all of this. I want to talk recruiting, uh, Zach. You were the man down down on the field before the game, and all week really we've been hyping this game. Um, talking about the 11 official visitors. Talking about the over 50 unofficial visitors. Um, what are you hearing from recruits as they leave the stadium tonight? Yeah, so as soon as I got out of the stadium, I started hitting up a bunch of the recruits, official and the unofficial visitors. Um, we have a story up on those 24-7, like a kind of a recruit reaction story, so you guys can check that out. Um, some of the quotes that stood out to me, uh, four-star offensive lineman Elijah Pritchett, major offensive lineman target for, you know, for FSU and the staff. Um, his was short, but it kind of told a lot. He basically just said, love the atmosphere. Um, the love was all capitalized. And then Georgia Tech linebacker commit. Hold on. Jared before Willis. we before, – Show crystal did, ball. Show crystal did, ball. Who did Elijah Pritchett um, – oh, Stop. Who did Elijah Pritchett come to the game with? Um, he came with his, his two Carver teammates, Darren Reed and Kelton Smith. And I believe um, most of the family that was with that group um, was Elijah Pritchett's family. That, that was the plan coming in. There were probably 10 plus um, individuals with that group. So that's very big, telling big because yeah. he had said last week that, you know, these, these first few games are going to have a big impact on his decision. And if he brought family with him, you know, we'll try to confirm that that was actually his family, but you know, that brings back shades of Daniel Lyons, right? When we saw them unload the car with 13 family members and, and come yep. into the game. You know they're serious when they when they bring a carload of family members. But, um, all right, go ahead. That's exciting. I know there's other recruits that we want to hear from. Yeah, so Georgia Tech linebacker commit Jaron Willis. We talked about him on the preview pod. He did indeed make it to the game, you know, one day after Georgia Tech loses a kind of a, a weird game to Northern Illinois. Um, so that was interesting, but – he, he basically said he, he, he said it was lit, um, the environment. Um, and then some 2023s to note, five-star receiver Jalen Brown, um, he said it was a great game. They fought hard to the end, just came up short. It happens. All that matters is how you come back the next week. Um, and Santana Fleming also gave a great quote. So just definitely go check out that story. We're going to be you know messaging guys um, throughout the rest of the night and then obviously in the morning and tomorrow and getting all those reactions for you guys. No commitments yet. I say yet, um, but Steve Wiltfong, national writer for 24-7 Sports, did drop a crystal ball pick for Kevin Coleman. Um, I talked to Wiltfong before the weekend, and he told me that he felt really good about where FSU stood with Coleman, and he said if FSU won, he was going to drop that crystal ball uh, right after the game. So when I saw the when I saw uh, people bringing the news that Wilfong dropped the ball, I was like, oh, they didn't win, but I guess they they impressed Steve Wilfong enough for him to uh, put the crystal ball in for Kevin Coleman. Now I put in a crystal ball pick for Elijah Pritchett last week, and I kind of hedged it by saying that you know um, if Florida State were to get blown out, then I'd probably change my pick. But you know 
one, they didn't get blown out. And two, I'm not changing my pick for Elijah Pritchett right now. I probably feel better now than I did when I put in my pick with a confidence of eight on whatever it was like last Wednesday. Um, I think that Florida State, from beginning to end, put on a show for recruits. Um, we, we saw the recruits sitting closer to the field for the first time ever. They were in a, a recruiting section, which had kind of these uh, banners on each side indicating exactly where the recruits were. I thought that was a great touch. I've never seen that done inside Doak. They also used to have them kind of up in the corner a little bit uh, when recruits used to come visit. Now they're right there down on the end zone. I thought that's appropriate. Um, Chris, you made a mention. You were you were up in the press box. You kept an eye on the recruits. Were they Was that section packed the entire game? Yeah, they hung around. Uh, I noticed a good amount leaving after Fitzsmith's kick in overtime. Uh, that was the first time I really saw a healthy movement from that section. I thought when FSU got down 18 in the third quarter, you might see some departing. You know, some people just want to be traffic. Yeah, it's just late, want to get out of the stadium and go do something social. Um, it wasn't the case. They hung around. It was a really good group. Uh, the, the horseshoe around the end zone prior to the game of the recruits coming out was pretty unbelievable to look at. I put a photo on the game thread of just how many were there. It was kind of, it was, yeah, it was impressive. We yeah. knew there was going to be a lot, but it was impressive. And I think if you're a defensive recruit, I mean, if you're a Jerron Willis, uh, you said it, he, you know, Jerron Willis maybe plays the Kalen Deloach role. Uh, you saw Kalen Deloach out there making plays. He's, he, you know, he was very, dependable for Florida State uh, this night. And then if you're an offensive lineman, I mean, if you're Julian Armella or you're Elijah Pritchett and you're sitting there, you're thinking like, wow, this team just needs me. Literally just needs me. Uh, some of those guys sitting in the stands a year from now could be playing on that field. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Zach, are we expecting any commitments? Is there anybody that you might put on commit watch? Not necessarily maybe for Sunday night, but, you know, in these next couple of days. Hard to say just because, you know, I haven't been able to speak with many people yet, just um, aside from these, you know, one-liner reactions. But Are you going to drop any new crystal balls? That's what I'm getting to. Um, I never put in a crystal ball for Elijah Pritchett. I think I'll do that um, here shortly. Um, and then Kevin Coleman, I'll keep an eye on that one as well. Those are the two I'm kind of, um, you know, looking at as far as putting in new crystal balls. Okay, great. Uh, let's switch it back to the game. Um, Brendan, let's talk quarterbacks. Um, the starter was Jordan Travis, but he doesn't finish the game. Do you think they started the right quarterback? Let's just get right into it. I mean, in hindsight, no. I guess because we saw what McKenzie Milton did to spark the offense, but there, there's so many variables to go into it, Josh. And I know you don't want me to, to him and haw my way through this here. McKenzie Milton has some limitations with the foot. Like I, I think we just need to put that out there at this point. I mean, during the game, he has a, like one of those gun massagers that he's, he's massaging his leg to make sure the nerves are like ticking and going. That's going to be something that, that is monitored throughout the entire season. You know, when, when the world was collapsing two or three weeks ago, when people were saying, oh, he's going to be out for the season with the leg, like, no, that was overreaction and that was extreme. But he is someone who's coming off an extreme injury with that leg. And speaking as myself, as someone who had a, a bad leg break, like you're going to have nerve issues. And for him with the artery, that was, that was, he had artery damage and nerve damage with his injury. My point being, is there going to be times where he's available, times when you have to limit him? 
and the inability to have McKenzie Milton consistently practice in preseason camp. Uh, we had sources say that he was out for a long stretch of the time leading up to a game week. That was not a leg injury related issue. Um, that's all I'll get into there. It made it difficult to build Josh a concrete game plan around him. So while I still maintain, and I've said this since the beginning, that I think the offense has the most potential to run the way Mike Norvell wants it to at its highest level under McKenzie Milton, uh, it would have been difficult to start him. Uh, yeah. Now, if, if you knew you could put him in there and he was going to do what he was going to do, then, yeah, then obviously in hindsight, then you maybe should have gotten him in the game earlier and it shouldn't have been, you know, Jordan Travis's helmet coming off. Isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah. Like if his helmet doesn't pop off, if McKenzie doesn't go and hit that first down on his first play, his first throw, and they go tempo, like Jordan probably comes in the next play. It really is crazy because they, they he didn't get taken out when he clearly his calf started cramping on that run. Um, yeah. Even though he was probably going to go out of bounds, that calf grabbed him and he, he abruptly went out of bounds. You could tell. Um, luckily, there was a TV timeout right there. Otherwise, I think Mackenzie Milton enter, enters the game due to Jordan Travis cramping. But there was a TV timeout. You saw the trainers on the field spraying it down, rubbing it down, getting getting that calf mm -hmm. loosened up. Um, and then just as fate has it, uh, Mackenzie Milton comes in. There's no way that he could have put Jordan Travis in, right? Like Mackenzie Milton was the spark that they needed. I, in the play oh, yeah. to me, it was the very first play, like the ability to stand in the pocket and take mm -hmm. hits and deliver the football. That's the difference to me. That's the main difference between Mackenzie Milton and Jordan Travis. I mean, Mackenzie Milton at least runs the offense to, you know, the timing of the offense. Jordan right. Travis can run the offense, but a lot of it is a broken play, him pump faking a couple times and then backyard football. Yeah, yeah, backyard football. Which has Even value though, too sometimes, especially given the offensive line's deficiencies. Like, I, I got a question for you guys. Speaking of backyard football, unbelievable play by Mackenzie Milton on that shovel pass. Was that drawn up that way or was that back? They, football? they I, worked I, on shovel passes a ton in the preseason. That was a regular thing we saw. Yeah. But I don't think the timing, I don't think the timing yeah, is supposed to work out that way. Milton, the, <laughs> the most enjoyable thing to watch with Milton when we saw him, when he did practice in the preseason here and there, the arm slot changing and like the just, just the willingness to, I'm going to attempt this. There's a small window. I'm going for it. I can make this happen. Or the, this is the decision I should make. And I'm going to make it quickly. That's the thing that makes him uniquely special. And it, it feels yeah. like almost watching Chris Paul run a pick and roll. Like to, there's this control and balance, but then this little bit of magic that goes into it too, with this improvisation where you just don't quite know where it's going to go. Uh, it's really cool. Special. Some guys think a lot about what they're going to do. I feel like Milton just trusts in what he's going to attempt to do. Does it? Yeah. And does. But, and that that's really enjoyable to watch. Um, if Milton's healthy and has a full week of practice, I would love to see him start. Yeah. Like if he's capable of putting in all that practice time in the game plan, I would. But love does not need to put in the practice time? He didn't put in the practice. To some degree, I think to you have to. To an extent. Some of that, but there's also the plug and play and be a gamer, and he's certainly that. He. He pregame tonight did not do much of anything. No, he, he did not look like someone who was going to play. Out. Right. Then when they were doing some of the, the positional group 11 on script running, he didn't do any of that. And you told you you said Chubba was taking the second team reps. Yeah, Chubba mm -hmm. took second, Tate took one, and then Jordan took another. And in that stretch, there was never a rep for Milton. Some, something changed at halftime, though, because Milton came out 
throwing the football in the second half uh, on the sideline. You can tell when you do the sideline watching long enough, Josh, like when, when you can tell when someone's engaged, especially at that position and when they're getting ready where they know, Hey, I might have to come in. I mean, in the first half he had his, his knee brace was unbuckled. Like he wasn't getting, he wasn't close to playing something changed at halftime where they said, Hey, we may need you very, very much. So in the second half, he felt like an emergency quarterback tonight. And I, guess to some degree that is why he played because the helmet popping off and he comes in and he makes the plays but you know I, I was surprised to see him actually enter the game I did not come into the second half believing he was going to play with the, everything that had transpired to that point in time right so, so <clears throat> we're heading off to Jacksonville State um just Brendan what's your way too early prediction just off the top of your head do you think At quarterback you think gets the start I do I do as long as he can put together somewhat of a week of practice and that's going to be tough. We aren't going to be able to report during the week. Like, Hey, there's so many reps he's getting, but I think as long as he's able to do some kind of, of modified version of practice this week. Yes. I think you have to, right. you owe it to yourself as a program to say, Hey, he's, and the way Jordan Travis, I'm, I'm a little scatterbrained too. If you can't tell Josh, much like it's Chris, but, but, but I think the way Jordan Travis handled today and mm-hmm. was supportive of McKenzie Milton makes me feel okay, like if you go to, to McKenzie Milton, we've said this all along, that they're going to need both of them to get through this season. Yeah. And today was a perfect example. Like this is what it's probably going to be. I do feel bad real quick that Jordan Travis, like it, Notre Dame's game plan for him was really good. I thought Jordan was somewhere in between. It's like he's an improved passer. Like the throw he made to Ja'Kai Douglas on the money is a throw he doesn't make last year. The improvisational run and and throw to Andrew Parchment, that touchdown. Or the reads, was he making the the reads? And that that was, I think, where the difference, that's a good point. So that's where the difference to me was. And he missed some easy throws too. He missed some layups, which he hadn't really done in in camp. Uh, But the one thing that we couldn't judge, we couldn't weigh, was how we would do when the bullets were flying. And I don't think he handled pressure particularly well consistently. He wanted to spin and run so quickly, and it just – and you saw what Mackenzie Milton did. I mean, the ability right. to stay in there under fire, even though you just had your whole leg reconstructed. Right. I mean, he was cool and calm. He took a couple big shots in there where he stood yeah, and he delivered the football. But it, he got John, dragged down at one point, basically, by that leg. It did, mm-hmm. and it, it looked stiff and, and awkward. But, again, that's why you need both of those guys. But, I mean, Josh, you, like you, you reported this after the second scrimmage. Jordan had a good second scrimmage. McKenzie Milton did not scrimmage. We did not report that at the time, but we said it was, was pretty looking. evident. I mean, we didn't mention uh, in any of the reports. I, I but know, yeah, but the, I know. The, we didn't the, directly report it. The readers, did. the readers sometimes don't always like they grasp, they read into things that we're not saying, and then the things I feel like we're making very obvious, like putting on a platter, they 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 <laughs> overlook. But regardless, uh, and I love all of you guys. Thank you for subscribing to those twenty four seven. Up, you had said you had talked to a source, and we saw this come to fruition tonight was that with Jordan Travis, yes, he's improved as a passer. We saw that like the, some of the passes he made, he doesn't make a year ago, but FSU isn't running its full complex offense with him because of some of the timing things, because he's so quick to bail and spin. And how many times do we see all of a sudden he just spins and I get the offensive line's not great. That doesn't help him. Uh, But with McKenzie Milton, he he puts your timing the train runs on time for him more often than not and when it does break down it still kind of fits in the flow of the offense somehow and i think that's the interesting dynamic of, of what he gives you moving moving forward yeah and you're right they're gonna have to use them both um i've always said this on the pod that i don't think jordan travis's playing style is sustainable 
uh, for more than a handful of games. I mean, we already saw him limping in the second, late in the second quarter of this one. He start, I, and I'm not going to say the cramps were anything uh, of that, but you know, it just makes me real nervous. The shots that he takes and his ability to keep going, and you know where we're going to be in five or six games if if he's if he's the full time starter. But I do think he can come in and maybe spell Mackenzie Milton. Maybe it should be the other way around. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll get more into that as the week goes on and um, we learn more about everybody's health and things of that nature. Let's play a quick game of buy or Sano. Is that a, a, you, you seem pretty excited. 2 a.m. on Monday and this is what you did to me. Sanone's so happy and I'm just like double bird. All right. We'll play one game of buy or Sanone. Buy buy or Sanone. The third and 17 blitz call was more egregious than the fourth and two call from the 35. Uh, I'll let Sanone go first. Bye. But I have, I have strong thoughts on both these. Uh, Chris acknowledged the how what I thought of the fourth and two call. Like I macro level, I'm totally fine with that because you're setting a tone saying we're going to be aggressive. We're going to play to win. And that's just you're telling your team that you're telling right. the recruits that you're telling you're li- the fans yes, that. Yes. He, and he's been doing it. He did that last year too. People would get pissed off. You're living that life. And eventually it leads to something bigger than just that play. It's, it's a philosophy. It's a lifestyle. Yes. The third and 17 play call, bad play call, especially in hindsight, awful play call in hindsight. And but, of course this is both in we're, we're armchair in this. Right. One. But, but I will say this, people get pissed off when Adam Fuller has his DBs back on third and long. Right. And so then he gets aggressive and goes for it and they're pissed off with that. I thought the defense looked much more coordinated. They looked much more aggressive. Uh, they looked much more confident. It was not perfect. You gave up 41 points, but you made Notre Dame beat you in a way that we didn't think they were capable of, which was Jack Cohen dropping dimes. All right. Knee more, more egregious going for it on your own 33 or the third and 17 blitz call. The third and 17. Uh, if I have to pick one, it's third and 17. I didn't like the fourth down call more so because I didn't love the third down play. The third down play to mush push, what kind of happened there? It just said, in my opinion, set up great. You, you, for you didn't like Wildcat uh, back-to-back plays? That wasn't that wasn't for you? More so just how third down was executed. Third gotcha. down didn't give me the belief that they were going to go and pull off fourth down. And I also felt like if they turned it over there, Notre Dame was going to quickly do something with it because at that point, the momentum was very much pointing in that direction. The third and 17, though, is, you can play that so much safer and get away with it. You blitz, you don't get home. They hit it. They had a hell of a lot of real estate when they hit it. Um, to the defense's credit, they hustled and made them play more plays in that drive. They didn't just you know, let them house it completely on them. I, I got a buyer known for you, Josh. Okay. By or Sinone, by the end of the season, this team will be a fun team to root for. It already is. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but the moment that Mackenzie Milton entered that game, you had fans from coast to coast rooting for FSU. You had the national media, which we never really see rooting for FSU. I mean, the tide just changed in an instant where FSU for the last four years has been a laughing stock. I mean, forget rooting. People are, they're the butt of the jokes. And now, yeah, um, people are rooting for FSU already. And I think um, the intrigue of seeing Mackenzie Milton enter the game on the national stage and do what he did, I think there's going to be a lot of people that don't normally follow Florida State starting to follow Florida State this year. 
So I think that. it's already happening. I'll buy that because I think there's a lot of guys on this team that are easy to like. Yeah. Um, Isn't that cool? Forth, when was the last put, time this was a likable team, Chris? Like that you said, I like this team across the board. Talented forth. guys who put forth effort. Who right. Lead. Jermaine Johnson's one that immediately comes to mind. Jayshon Corbin's another one. There's Maybe it's there's because they don't have sayings like, oh, well, or you'll be a fan later, or deleted tweets. <laughs> but I'll, I'll caveat that with they have to, on both sides of all, get better at winning one-on-ones. Defensively tonight, they lost too many one-on-ones especially mm-hmm. in passing game, as you said, Jack dropped dimes. And then offensively, they're going to have to win more one-on-ones. There's more instances where they got to kind of put together consistent offensive plays. They can't they can't live by being a bang offense all year and get away with it. Were you surprised the way Notre Dame attacked Travis Jay? Uh, no, because I thought FSU would give them one-on-ones, and I thought they would attempt to go for it here and there. I also wholeheartedly predicted that Kevin Austin would be a breakout player, toot toot, horn horn. Um, I was surprised that Jay, or in general, that the defense didn't win more of those one on ones than they lost. Right. They lost more than they won. So I was Jay just needs to get that. his head around. Like that's like just more experience, more reps. He hasn't really played cornerback at the FBS level. This is his first real run at it, right? So just, you got to get your head around. Make okay. the play. He was in position. position on one play, almost makes a pick. Mm-hmm. Brendan Ganson position on another play. Even the ones they lost, they were still in relatively good position consistently. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of blown bad coverages, but at the end of the day, you got to make more plays. It kind of goes you back. You can't be surrendering that many yards through the year against it, the team. It kind of goes back to Brendan's Bobby Bowden quote from the beginning of the show, where you know it's it's incremental. We're not seeing the DBs getting flat out toasted and the wide receivers waving to them as they cross the goal line. Now we're seeing them in position. The next thing we got to see them do is knocking some of those down, picking some of those off, and it's a progression. Um, before we get out of here, uh, Zach, you're in what your third or fourth? Is this is your third season at Florida State? Third, yeah, year third, year, third year. How'd this game compare to the others c- going in as a student? I mean, it's only comparable to that Virginia Tech game, but all the life was sucked out of that game in the first <laughs> right. quarter. Um, this it was just so lively until you know overtime. Like it, like I'd never experienced that as a student at Florida State. Obviously, I, I went to some of the games when I was younger. Um, you know, 2014, 2013 games and. Those are those are great environments, and I feel like this this environment kind of matched those, and it's be- the best I've seen. Um, it's the most busy, you know, town I've seen since I've been here. Yeah, I agree. Doke was rocking. It was it was um, kind of nostalgic. You kind of forgot how long it's been since that the atmosphere has been like that from start to finish. Of course, Florida State fans always represent at the beginning of games. It's always hype, um, but this one, it 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 was worth the price of admission. Um, we're going to get more into this as the week goes on. Brendan, I know you're scatterbrained, so I'm not even going to go to you, but do you got to, do you want to say anything before we get out of here? Real, Any real final quick, thoughts? Really quick. And you can cut me off when I start rambling too much. Last year, they gave up about what? 320, 340 rushing yards. Last year, they gave up 353 Woo! rushing yards to Notre Dame. Do you, do you have up the stats of how much they Notre gave up Dame today? rushed for 65 yards tonight. If that yeah. doesn't tell you about this defense, that's the one stat that should tell you everything you need to know about this defense moving forward. They're more oh. physical. They execute. They tackle. Of course, there's mistakes being made, but right. 
they're they're far exceeding i think the talent on the roster i mean they get a few pieces like a jermaine johnson that make a huge impact all over the field um but overall i mean they're still operating in a deficit on that roster especially when you get into the second and third string guys uh but just the tone that they set to mm -hmm. today with the with the fact physically yeah yeah, physically physically and they they, they, all as a group yeah they was great to see they missed tackles. Like it wasn't perfect. It wasn't always clean, but they were like Sidney Williams. You felt his presence through the game. Renardo Green, you felt his presence. You felt Jermaine Johnson. You felt DJ Lundy. Um, Robert Cooper probably played the best game of his career. He, he, he was hustling. Um, you know, I mean, Kalen Deloach on that third and 17 play, you know, Kalen Deloach blitzes. He ends up making that tackle 50, 50 five, zero yards downfield. And you're like, you guys, you, you give up 366 passing yards, four touchdowns to Jack Cohen. That sucks. That's not good. That needs to be better. But as we talk about incremental growth, like you were in position last year, Notre Dame ran all over you and they could have gotten whatever they wanted because you couldn't even get in position to stop it. Today, you forced a weakness to beat you. It did sometimes like, okay, you took away a strength. They beat you with their weakness. Notre Dame's a better program than FSU right now. That's, that's what we saw tonight. To me, I think I can go to sleep tonight living with that and saying, okay, that they had effort. They were coached better. They had guys end up making some plays, just not quite enough. And and that's the next step is what, what Zach talked about, what you talked about, Josh, getting recruits, guys who can then, you know, instead of winning 40% of your one-on-one plays, you can win 60%. And that's what flips it. That's what makes a difference ultimately in the long run as you try to build a, a legitimate contender like in the realm of where Notre Dame is right now and then surpass that. I do hope they truly build off of tonight. Like that's that's the next. We saw resolve tonight, which was a huge step in the right direction for this program. Um, Now it's about it can't can't be North Carolina last year where you take a step back. A one off, yeah, it can't be that. This team still needs to prove that consistency. And I, I, I'm gonna be optimistic here. I think they will. I think there's good leadership on each side of the ball, and guys who the message is getting through to, who are gonna definitely help put that in the right direction all right well we got tons of recruit reaction up on Knowles 24 7 we have press conference quotes and videos from the coaches and players um, we'll talk about the missed kick and we'll talk about kickers on the next podcast i, I don't i don't even want to get into that tonight but um thank you guys for listening to this emergency edition of on the bench we will be, we will be back soon